Welcome back, everyone, and thank you to uh, making time and space for Marlo's conversations with friends, topics around well-being. And today's uh, conversation is going to be around flow. Uh, I am Marlo Boyle. I am founder and principal of Cultivate You. It is my well-being business. And uh, today I am super delighted uh, to be talking about flow with a very good friend, great friend, and a longtime colleague who I have a really high level of respect and admiration for, Mr. Tony Gordon. And uh, Tony and I, we go way back. We've had a lot of experiences together and uh, a lot of great laughs and a lot of growth. Uh, Tony Gordon is a hairdresser, salon owner, and thought leader in helping small groups and teams achieve high goals and efficiency through this concept of flow and salon strategy. Gordon's salons have been named a top 200 salon in the USA 19 times. Holy camoly. Congratulations. Uh, Tony loves triathlons, health, exploring radical ideas and integrating them into a business, helping people achieve their highest aims. Thank you, Tony, for being here with me. Marlo, how are you? Look at you. You look great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor that you're asking me to do this. And um, it's an honor to talk about flow because I just love the topic. And uh, I think it's been something I've been working on my entire life. And uh, and then and then it just all comes together under this banner called flow, which I remember you were the first one, actually. I think it was about two or three years ago. Maybe it was two years ago. And I put a I put a post on Facebook and I said, has anybody heard about this concept called flow? And, and, and you come back and said something to the effect, I'd have to look it up, but it said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, where have you been or something like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I had no idea this idea. It's not a concept. It is uh, neuroscience is really mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Um, but it, it is the culmination of all the self-help gurus, all the what we should be doing in our lives, um, all the things about regulating our nervous system, uh, and then also how we can be better teams, better groups. It brings it all together, actually. And I think in a way it could be, and I know this is a radical statement, but it could be the future of mankind. Like to be able to uh, go into flow at will and to, uh, and for maybe your team to go into flow at will uh, is if you can figure out how to get there, I mean, is it, it, does it make us better than AI, artificial intelligence? Does it yeah, make I us better so. than a robot? You know, um, I, well, let's I, back up. Yeah. Before we go dive. Let's that's your up. intro. Because you and I are, right, that's our intro. You and I already know what flow is, but mostly nobody knows flow, or I don't want to say nobody, but we're going to assume that those that are listening to us don't know flow. So what is this concept? Why is it important? Why have I known about it for so long and you only got around a couple of I years ago? Why. 
um Mihai Chiksent Mihali uh when you look at his name uh Mihali Chiksent Mihai my husband always says how how is it you know how to say that and I said I don't know there's somebody <clears throat> some article I read a million years ago aside from the book had the phonetic pronunciation and mm. I just memorized it so that's how I just let it roll off my tongue Mihali Chiksent Mihai <laughs> He's the founder of this idea, this practice, and this philosophy. And I pulled up a a really nice article uh, speaking specifically to it. So I just want to read this quote mm-hmm. uh, about being in the flow, in the groove, in the pocket, if you're thinking about musicians. And uh, it is that quote the best moments in our lives are not the passive receptive relaxing times the best moments usually occur if a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile flow occurs when your skill level and the challenge at hand are equal so when someone is so involved in an activity that nothing else matters, uh, so enjoyable that people will continue to do it even at a great cost just for the sheer sake of doing it. Mm -hmm. And also that flow in everyday life is an important component of creativity and well-being. And learning. Yeah, I mean, so flow when I learned about it was from his book uh and chixie high what's that mihai chixie high or that's the way i say it it's probably i'm saying it wrong but he was the professor of psychology the head of the department at the university of chicago Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of chicago connections to flow which is really cool but he is a i believe a hungarian immigrant who survived world war ii and ended up here he was Um, a he was a prisoner during world war ii and um, yeah, not great, but he was studying flow from as far back as the 60s. Mm-hmm. And what is really interesting is that then it becomes confirmed when we start getting tools that can peer into the brain. So when you end up with MRIs and fMRIs, PET scans, EEG machines, they're able to verify that this is actually occurring. Now, mm-hmm. do people go into flow and people have known about flows from the beginning of time? Yes. In fact, even probably an enormous number of animals go into flow. We've mm-hmm. all seen our cat, our cats hunt, you know, <laughs> and they're totally focused with the tail twitching and they're totally on it about to go after something. That is a total sense. That's a total focused place. And what's interesting about focus, which is really what flow is, it's about being in the groove, being in the zone, being completely focused. And when people are in that state, actually certain neuroanatomy, parts of the brain are turning off, parts of the brain are turning on, certain chemistry is occurring, and certain electrical networks are also occurring. So what's happening in flow is is that um, you can recognize it because things have kind of gone timeless, meaning that time speeds up or time slows down. Most of the time it speeds up, like time flies when you're having fun kind of uh, things. Uh, When you're in that place and it could be, there's like low level flow, 
like where uh, you're just totally into washing the dishes and you're so engaged in washing the dishes, you know, right. or cleaning the house. And that is, uh, you know, I got to do it in 10 minutes because people are coming over. But in that moment, uh, you're extremely into it. You're accomplishing something. There might be a little bit of risk involved. Like I don't want my relatives to see my dirty kitchen. Um, <laughs> so you're you're really deep into it. You also could be like screaming down the mountain, going for the gold. You know, um, you know, you're a skier, and there's a lot of risk involved. Or, you know, your life uh, is at risk because you could crash and burn, or you could be embarrassed because you failed in a speaking engagement or something like that. There's social risk, there's financial risk. So all of these things harness our focus. And it turns out that this is called flow and that it is a place where we're at our happiest actually, which mm -hmm. is surprising, is that actually being engaged and Mihai Csikszentmihalyi wrote a book called The Classic Work on How to Achieve Happiness. Mm -hmm. um, which basically is saying, and this is really interesting. This is like, right. There was just a report that came out saying that all these people are having all this time off right now, uh, because that's perceived the way to go that the people will be happier with time off. No, there's actually, they're getting more time off and they're less happy. So the interesting thing, what they first did in the early days to test flow was they actually gave everybody everybody pagers, which is like today's texting. Um, if you remember a pager. <laughs> yeah, my doctor used to have one. <laughs> yeah. So so and then they would page people and then they would call them up and say, okay, take your pulse. Uh, you know, let's what are you thinking about right now? And they, they found that they did it all these random times. And this was behind Chicksy High's work. And what they did was is they found people were happier when they were at work when they were engaged in something because flow, flow follows focus and most focus is about task orientation. So when you talk about in your intro about the challenge skills balance or a challenging thing that you're doing, like washing dishes or screaming down a mountain, this is where you become highly engaged, right? And at that point, certain, specifically your prefrontal cortex or your left dorsal frontal pre prefrontal cortex turns off and other parts of your brain take over. And in the studies on this, Marlo, it just blows me away. Like the studies they're coming up with this, mm -hmm. some of this is induced. So, but not, not all. Okay. So there was a McKinsey study that showed that executives in flow we're, we're seeing a 500% increases in productivity. This was a 10-year study by McKinsey. McKinsey's like a high-level think tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can get all their stuff. They, they just, so they'll, they'll, they'll email it to you and get on their email list. McKinsey, I think it's McKinsey.com. But this is just one of many studies they did. So good luck finding it. But, um, <laughs> the, um, but I just saw it the other day, actually. The other thing was DARPA the defense appropriations, you know, these are the people who invented uh, the Siri and the internet and, mm -hmm. and like a th thousands of, of defense oriented, uh, defense oriented inventions 
which then end, end up in the public sector like Velcro and stuff like that. You know, so they tested it and they found that there was a 200% increase in learning speed. Uh, there's, there's all this statistics around, um, around innovation and creativity. So when we talk about when we're, because we've just given people like a whole boatload of stuff to think about, but when we haven't, we've sort of defined what flow is, but really haven't. So flow is from what Mihai Csikszentmihalyi studied was in, uh, in the one article he said, he sat and observed artists doing mm-hmm. their work, paintings. Yeah. And how it, how intensely engaged they were in it. Mm-hmm. and wanting to get it done and sacrificing a lot of things along the way yeah. because they were just so engaged and then like making money done, well there's that but <laughs> when the, what he found surprising was when it when they were done they had no interest in going back to it to relook at it oh but also part of what i read with flow uh, re-engaging again an aspect of it and i think this is also probably why you look at it for your workspace for you particular is that flow happens when the challenge in front of you is not it meets your skill level so there is a balance there's a it's not so hard like it's not so complicated what you're going to be sitting down to doing but it's hard enough that it's challenging and utilizing your skills and so that you're motivated to do this and because it's a pleasurable challenge pleasurable is probably the wrong word but it's a comfortable challenge where you're not sweating it through the whole thing but you can really move yourself with it is how that state of flow happens so for example when I'm writing a class when I'm creating a class and writing curriculum the topic that I'm working on is expansive enough or I've got all my resources. I have a whole space laid out in front of me where I've got my mind dumps and my brainstorms and you yeah. know, whatever. And I'm just in it and I've got books and I don't want, I don't know what's going on. I would I'm guess, in this space. I would guess Marlo, you're an auto, what's called an autotelic personality meaning that you easily go into flow and I can. yeah i mean when i'm throwing my pottery because i'm a ceramicist yeah. so it happens there when i'm, I'm not i'm oh, not you're, you're not a ceramicist or you're not no, easily i'm not flow. an autotelic personality in fact this is one of the reasons why this fascinated me so much i knew it happened when i was skiing I knew okay, well, it happened good because i was going to ask you when did where did flow start for you in your life like, I'm I I, yeah. I go into flow and I'm cutting graduated bobs. Yeah, but when okay. did you really notice it? <laughs> when did you start to acknowledge like what is this or how did it cross your plate? I I didn't know what it was. I I don't think anybody know what it was. And in fact, uh, I just did a speech before um, serious business, and one of the one of the, my points of the speech is is that a lot of people go into this and they don't know what it is. In fact. I was reading Horst's old book, Horst Reckelbacher's old book, the founder of Aveda, um, his book, A Livelihood. And in there, there's a quote from him where he says that he went into a trance when he was doing models hair. 
and it was almost he said it was like a trance and that it was it was like a shot of adrenaline and he would do this when and he won competition after competition using this state of being and he then started to use that for his artwork for his business applications, for his business in general. And of course, we know where he ended up. You know, he ended up owning Aveda and, you know, and, and uh, Intelligent Nutrients and other amazing things as well. And this goes back to the artists that you referred to, which I would say when I talk about money, I mean, because I mentioned that real quickly, is that some artists are starving artists, which means, but they love the flow state of painting or whatever it is their type of art is so much that they're committed to the art because they're in this incredibly pleasurable state. Why? Because this, well, at least five of the top five pleasure chemicals are hitting their brain during this uh, time frame of being in flow. Flow actually has four components to it or four states of being, I would say. So one is timelessness, meaning that when you're in it, time can become elastic. The second one is selflessness. And you mentioned this in your quote when you were discussing what it is, meaning that the work is actually what's important. In other words, my anxiety, my critical part of the brain actually turns off. So that executive function goes away. The part that says, am I good enough? The part that says, am I doing this right or wrong? All that kind of stuff turns off. It's about the work. I go deep into the work. It's selfless, selflessness. Okay. And then um, um, also the work becomes effortless. Like if you're already good at it, now you're, if you're in flow, you're really good at it because the rest of your brain is taking over. You don't need to think about now I do this. Now I do that. Now I do this. Cause I've done it so many times. I'm like an expert at this thing. And that goes back to the challenge skills balance that you're kind of talking about. And then lastly, and this is really important. If you want to be great at something, then you need richness. So STER, S-T-E-R, is the acronym for selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. And when, you're, when that work is rich, like when you're throwing this pot, and you're so good at it, and you're so into what you're doing, that you're actually seeing you're seeing details in the in the material, in the way your fingers are moving, uh, maybe even your breath. That's so connected, and you become very aware of the pattern recognitions. That way, that way, when I'm doing my graduated Bob, um, I'm actually uh, really seeing slight variations in hairlines and adjusting my technique. So I know, although I know the basic technique extremely well, once you get past the basic technique and you go deeply, deeply into the work, then you start to change it on the fly. And you're changing it on the fly, not because you're thinking about it it's because you're not thinking about it actually right yeah so you're moving faster than a computer would Boom. yes yes thank you let's just move away from ai <laughs> well you can use it maybe i don't know but yeah. um but this this is you know some of the the fundamental attributes of it the key is is getting to the place where you're really good at something so and, when you say yeah. that 
yeah so when you say that you uh you you um shared that i'm a what did you call me an autonomic oh autotelic personality personality. you might you might be define what autotelic is I, I believe the definition is, is that you just literally go into these flow states easily. So with that, when I think of that word and what you're just saying, why I might do it versus yourself, one of the things that, and I have no idea if this is true or not in terms of the definition or getting into flow, but when I think about something that I work on every day and I teach it in my work, I've taught it for a very long time, is being present, being full of mind. And why I teach it, why I practice it, why I feel it's important is it allows for you to embrace life, embrace right here and now, because the past is done. I can't change it. I have no idea what's coming in the future. And practicing being full of mind and being present allows you to be the observer of the you are observing the observer of life is if you really want to back out to being very esoteric and enlightenment uh and so when i practice being present which i i feel i've gotten i mean i i work on it every day regardless but i feel over the last i don't know um, probably six years or so, six or seven years, I've been able to get very good at it and, and step back into it when I know that I'm getting overwhelmed with, well, that jerk did this, or why didn't they call me back here? Or God, you know, like, could you, could they have just been nice, whatever in the past. So sometimes when I'm flowing there, or I'm over anxious about the future, like, well, how am I going to get new clients or is this, you know, new job going to work out or what's going to happen with my health, whatever. So I'm able to, I am better at pulling myself out of forward or backward and staying right here, mm-hmm. which if I just speak specifically to pottery, cause I teach it as well. I teach beginners and intermediates. And when I talk to them, I let them, I say to them, the way you're going to get the most out of this experience, aside from the fact that I need you to actually do what I tell you to do, because I already know how to throw this and you don't. So if you could just follow my instructions instead of thinking, oh, well, you know what, I'm going to push it here. I think I can do that. Just do what I tell you for right now. And, but the other thing that I want you to do is set your phone away, stop looking at it don't worry about what the hell else is going on. Just be here with this clay. These, these are these are good suggestions if someone wants to get into flow uh, by throwing pottery. So right. w- uh, one of the things is, is that there is, th- that when someone starts something new, they're often in a very uh, nervous state. There's anxiety over it. They're thinking, am I not good enough? Is this mean... Um, I'm not good at anything. Am I, you know, uh, uh, this is like uh, me in math class. I was bad at that. I'm probably bad at this. You know, so there's all kinds of like uh, uh, conversations that go on in a person's head when they're starting something new and they're fumbling around with 
whatever uh, the physical or the new task that they're uh, trying to approach. Sometimes even doing something like listening long enough to the instruction that you're going to give them is challenging for them. But if you can, one of the nice and nice things about the class you're teaching is that it does have a physical component to it, right? It's not an, it, it, it's not an overly academic experience. So they don't just have to sit there and, and listen. They're actually doing and that and and one of the things about flow is is that it has an it has an embodiment aspect to it. So they're physically doing something, their body's involved, maybe even right down to their legs are involved, right? That their, you know, their their whole self is involved in doing this thing. And but initially they're going to be. Uh, still fumbling around. And what happens is, is that their brain is actually doing the opposite of flow. Their brain is having uh, cortisol. Their brain is having possibly norepinephrine is in both flow and in um, struggle states. So what we're talking about here is somebody's in a struggle state, okay? They're, you know, you get a new hairdresser, who somebody who's fresh out of beauty school, am I good enough? I spent all this money and time, am I, you know, or they're new to your class. Doesn't matter what the, ta what, what the task is. They're nervous. They have anxiety. Did I do the right thing? Have I made the right decisions? Sure. Am I good enough? You know, and then what happens is they get into this struggle phase and it can deepen itself, okay? And it, it works directly on the nervous system. And it, and it really hurts the nervous system. So what happens is the best thing to do is to let someone learn something, maybe no greater than 90 minutes usually, then let them go away, go you know, take a walk around the block, go get a snack, uh, stare at a wall, go home and go to bed, come back the next day, whatever it is, some sort of release, a release phase. Right. You have to relax, you have to stop at some point. Yeah. And there is something called Ultranian rhythms mm -hmm. where there, our brain is in this 90 minute cycle, right? Approximately whatever. So, but then there needs to be a, 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 a break in there in the time, at least 20 minutes. Some people say a couple of hours. Some people say, go to go home and go to bed. But anyway, it depends how intense the struggle phase was, but this is all leading towards flow. So then they, they, they get to this phase where it's, Oh, okay. I released. Now I go back to the flow. Okay. It wasn't, or I go back to the struggle. Okay. I'm a little bit better than I was the first time I tried this. Then they need a break again. Then they come back to it. Oh, I think I'm getting this. Maybe I'm getting this. Oh, look at this. I'm, I'm pretty good at it actually, you know, and that could be uh, maybe one session. If you guys are throwing pots, could be one, two hour session, or it could be a full year of learning how to cut hair. You know, you don't, you don't know how long that phase is. And at some point they're like, Hey, I got this. In fact, I'm pretty good at it. And I'm really feeling good doing it. I, I like it. I'm in it. Do you notice too? Cause this is what I see. I saw it many times in my past of coming into whether I had to teach a class myself or teach a group of trainers or go work in a salon and, you know, help customers, whatever. And I see it now as well. 
with my ceramic students and I see it in my my other my current work as well in retreats and well-being work when I'm helping people start on this path that and it goes back to becoming full of mind and being present is that people what you bring into the situation that you're not consciously aware of meaning whatever energy you walk in with to this new task new haircut new client experience new brainstorm we're going to do whatever yeah it that energy even if you're not talking about it i find that energy completely affects what happened what i'm good what when i start doing that task project whatever i'm feeling comes into it so unless i clear myself in some you, way yours or the students mine for sure okay. but i see it in my students yeah and i saw it in myself <laughs> like i tell them when they sit down when i start retreats when i you know start one-on-one -on -one consultations with my clients think about just letting go of whatever went on before you walked in this door whatever is going on so that you can be present and you can start this new thing in front of you or welcome back to week two and we're going to do it again get present with it yeah if you can get their buy-in on that i think if you can get somebody's buy-in and i think it's really just nothing more than a conversation right. well, uh, um <clears throat> i think one of the issues in salons is that you have somebody you have a lot of people who need to be part of a greater uh whole and they're not fully they don't have mutual commitment to the whole so you have to have a sometimes multiple discussions with people to and you know and it's a training right there's a cultural part of whatever organization or whatever relationship like right now we could be in flow i think we are in flow actually having this talk and, you know, there's some uh, mutual agreed on things uh, uh, implied or actually spoken that have already been kind of agreed on. I think that that happens in a place. So if you have somebody who's distracted, they're not going to be fully involved. So you have to, you know, you, you could say, put it in the syllabus of your class you know, you're going to turn your phone off. So you do that, but then half the people didn't read the syllabus and then you're going to announce it when they come in. And then, uh, you know, that, then you have the last 10% of the people who just don't want to comply. And <laughs> then you have to have a separate conversation. Then I them. usually say, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> why are you here? You just spent X, Y, Z dollars. Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and there's different ways. I mean, you, I think that the, the, the one of the flow triggers, one of the first flow triggers is curiosity, passion, and purpose. I actually don't like that they group the three, but the three are grouped because I think curiosity can lead to passion and purpose. When you say trigger, I don't mean to interrupt you, because uh, I have two questions. When you say trigger, tell me what that means. I pulled up again while I was doing some research. I found a list of 10 different triggers practice 22 oh well this is i don't even remember who this is from i saved the article but it was more uh things to do to reach your flow state that's my first question but the yeah. overarching question is which i know you're speaking to it but i want to know why did you choose 
flow for a work application because when I asked you to speak on this with me and help me with this concept to share with others, because it is a part of well-being for me. Yeah. Um, you shared that you lean a little towards uh, a couple more modern thinkers around this that have it more towards a work application. So I want to understand. <clears throat> Hairdressers you... go into flow. Well, I know going to flow. Yeah, any service provider will. But why did you choose to engage yourself more deeply, your certified trainer around it, to bring it into the workspace and then talk to me about the triggers? What that means? Is it a negative trigger? Is it a positive trigger? Okay. Well, just just to go back for a second, what's my motivation? I mean, the truth is, is that for many years, many, many years, I have always, since the beginning of our company, since 1999, I have all, I've always been a reader and an explorer of ideas. And I have read, I read a book and then apply whatever that information is to uh, my company. And, and, and it has uh, been amazing uh, in that, and this is, you know, part of the reason why we're still here today. Um, a lot of salons don't last this long or, you know, they just simply don't. So, um, and like I said, I've been searching for whatever, and we're in a culture, we're lucky. I'm, we're in a culture that is searching, right? The new age movement, the self-help movement has been happening. And it's like a I don't know. It's like a multi-billion-dollar business. The self-care. We're finally learning how to take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. How I look at it. Right, and so I thought, uh, you know, especially considering uh, all the anxiety that it happens in our culture, that this is the eureka moment, Timmy. This is the thing which is the salvation. If you can teach people this. They can learn quicker, they can be more creative, they can be happier, and they can be more productive. Therefore, they can make more money for themselves, for their families, et cetera. I think it's a good deed more than anything else. But themselves. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good deed for me that I'm bringing it to the world as much as I can, even though right, I'm, right, thank you for right. listening. <laughs> 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 but But there's some really, I mean... Uh, amazing people who are really uh, pursuing this now, especially considering all the all the um, academic studies that are showing it actually happening. And there's a lot more, a lot more research to do. Uh, one of the big areas is team or group flow, and that is sort of like if you think about uh, basketball teams or jazz bands, uh, improv. Uh, these are considered the areas where groups come together, um, even if it's just two people, but even larger groups. There's also bad flow, like riots, uh, a bunch of people rioting, that's flow. Um, there's people that are in flow that are doing bad things. A lot of why can't criminals stop what they're doing? Because it's fun. It's exciting. It's Well, it's, it's turning it, on the chemicals that you talked about. It's adrenaline. I, I, I'm addicted to it. You know, these, these, these things are addictive. And this is one of the reasons why drugs are so popular is because they actually do put you into happy states by turning certain parts of the brain on and off, et cetera, et cetera. They are stimulating. Some actually go right to it. I'm not an expert in this area in any way, but 
you know, they're basically turning on brain chemicals or turning off certain brain chemicals, you know? And so this is what we all want. Why not? You know, we all know about runner's high, you know, but you don't have to be a marathon runner to get this. I'm not, I can't run. I run like yeah. a, I'm a graceful rhinoceros when I run. But you can get a dopamine hit by doing your power. I do Viking walks. I'm a Viking. <laughs> and when I walk all my life, I can crack the pavement when I walk. That's how <laughs> determined I am. And I can walk very fast so I can have a walker's high, but it's not going to be a runner's high. <laughs> Just hit it with your heel, not your head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there is there is um, group flow. And one of the things that's really cool is that there's there's 10 triggers just for group flow. So there's 12 triggers for individual flow. Um, and then there's 10 triggers for group flow. But what I did was I came across some research out of Amsterdam. <clears throat> this guy, J.J. Vandehout, uh, probably Hoot is how he pronounces it, that talked about the seven prerequisites for flow which I think correlate to small companies, departments, small teams that are just brilliant. And that's kind of what I've been talking about when I'm going to be talking about at Interquafure as well, because these, it's basically a framework, a roadmap for getting a small team to get, you can't force people into, um, flow, although you can probably force yourself into something like flow, but um, you could, you have to set up all the parameters and then you just go into it, you know, and the same thing with teams, you can kind of like lead the horse to water, you know, and, but can you make them drink? Well, they want to drink once they're set up with these, for instance, these seven, um, which are really uh, creating a collective ambition, a group goal, aligned personal goals high skill integration, open communication, psychological safety, and mutual commitment. So, you know, if you can get- Well, in those aspects that you just named, those are all character from my perspective of doing leadership work all my career. That's that's good team building. That's good creative yeah. project building. I mean, those are, and yes, yeah, so flow should- ultimately happen from that when you put those in place for a team and that's what makes a good team in general that's what makes a good leader if a leader can put those things in place and when you're ready to sit down and start a project or teach a class or whatever go through <laughs> your day in general then you have a good cohesive team i think yeah yeah and you just i think you just need to there's certain people who can coach their people to this. Right. 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 And, and, and it's, it, there is a learning curve involved. Plus the person themselves needs to be in a place where they can allow it to occur. And as a trainer, you want to be able to think about things like, as if they're a task, each item is a task. So whether it's, washing a cup, it's doing that graduated bob, it's mixing a color, it's sweeping the floor, it's putting a, a formula in the computer. All those separate things are a task. And the more you do each one of them separately, then 
you get to a state of flow in any particular one of them. And that is the way I think that a lot of salons can go. And it, it, for the first thing we have to do is allow people to find flow in each task, not to say to them, oh, you screwed up that hair color. What, you know, what kind of, what kind of idiot are you that you did that, you know, and what does that do? It sends the person home crying and then they quit the industry, right? So, I mean, that's common sense, but we people do it because they get, because certain trainers, they don't have enough. They're not uh, good leaders. They're not they're, inspired. Well, they don't have enough EQ. We talked about EQ, you know, for right. years, emotional quotient. Right. Um, it's a big part of this. You know, you really are creating mentor and mentee relationships right. with every single one of the team members and then allowing them also to come together. So I'm going to, you know, it takes time to become a good hair cutter or, uh, you know, these are, these are trades. They, the longer you're in them with the proper coaching, then people become excellent they would get to a mastery level and mastery is fundamentally being in flow, right? You to get to that level takes time. So uh, one of the suggestions for flow is like, if you take any task at all, like throwing your pots, okay, you take one element of it and you're asking people to do a certain thing. If you, if it's too difficult, the thing you're asking them to do, they go into an anxiety state. Of course. Right. But if you give them something to do that's overly easy, they're bored. For sure. So, so there's like an alley or a channel of, of, um, of where they should be a little. And this alley puts them, if you have a graph, like an X axis and a Y axis, you know, and, yeah. and they're, they're somewhere on this graph of speed, quality, et cetera. What are you giving them to do? It's a little bit harder, a little bit harder than where they're at. So they stay engaged and they continue to improve. Okay. And so when you have that level of trust, like I'm going to give you this next pot, this is a little bit harder than the last one you did. Actually, they're saying it should be no greater than 4% harder than the last thing you did. A little hard to measure sometimes. I know, I know. It's easy to measure if you're timing someone's haircut. Right. Like I want you to do this haircut in uh, 96 minutes instead of a hundred minutes, 4% less. Right. Right. So, um, but hard to do if you're saying, oh, do this on this difficult client versus this easy client, you know, right. how do you measure that? So, um, but there might be a way, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there might be a way. <laughs> But you can take a couple of things. So you could take, as you were talking, I was thinking of the mentor-mentee and thinking about all kinds of different teams, whether I was thinking of one in particular because I'm uh, working on efforts for Alliance for the Great Lakes, who I've worked with for 15 years. So I was thinking about fundraising or uh, development or another organization thinking about a nursing, like a memory care home, because that's a, another large aspect of my life right now mm -hmm. for the last five years. And just thinking about any person's role that they have, that they can 
achieve flow in what they're doing, whether it's uh, coordinating the move of a new resident to come into the community or whether it's going on my rounds through the community home to meet with all of my client, you know, meet with all the residents to drop them their medication, whether it's doing a call out bound list to potential donors. And, and you want them to be in flow and you want them flow. to be in flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me ask that... you this. Let me ask you this. Do these people that you're talking about who are running this place, are they, do they have a, do they have, do you think they have a sense of autonomy? Do they have, do they, do you think they have a sense of autonomy in their job? Like, or do they actually have autonomy in their job? Like I, I can make a decision here without like getting in a lot of trouble or something like that. Well, I think, you know, if I look at just taking a memory. You don't care. have to mention any names. No, no, no. If I take a, <laughs> you know, if we're looking at like a memory care home community and I'm thinking just in specific to the nurses yeah. that make their rounds with patients. Right. So when I look at a job, when I look at a set of responsibilities, mm -hmm. I can, I'm going to throw a lot of things out here in, in one thinking. A, I can either serve from love or serve from fear. Fear leads me to ego. So I'm either doing this because it's, you know, going to, puff me up and make me look awesome or I'm serving from love because I have compassion and and uh, empathy and I want to genuinely want these people to feel cared for and seen okay so that's one aspect I also know that a job can be just a job if that's how you choose to view it if you just choose to see being a hairdresser or being a nurse as well this is just a paycheck and I need to have XYZ hours in, I need to have XYZ clients, you can choose to see that. Or you choose to look at what you do during the majority role of your life as mm -hmm. I get to do XYZ. Yeah. Therefore, because I get to do this and I get to have this opportunity, I'm lucky enough, I'm fortunate enough to have this. How can I really bring my fullest self to this experience mm -hmm. and find joy in all that I do. <laughs> and to me, that also can be a type of flow when I am able to or choose to feel joy or experience joy or allow myself to be open to that or just open to contentment or feeling happy or light or inspired or whatever <laughs> i feel like any person's role could have that flow could have a sense of flow because i'm doing what i'm doing and i'm into it and i'm not conscientious of time if they're if they're into it if they're not into it right there may be a way to turn somebody to the positive okay so before you go firing and all and all the people who are listening to this go firing half their staff um <laughs> instead <laughs> see if you can turn them. And, you know, very often, you know, we talk about the, the person who was getting ready to quit the industry, uh, whatever industry there is. It's, I, I always ask them, you know, can you recall the, why you went to beauty school, for instance, or why you went to nursing school in the first place? 
And um, what were your motivations there? And sometimes that brings them back to that passion. They remember that passion sure. and it overcomes, you know, the fact that I have to clean these bedpans or something like that. And, you know, because sometimes you get in the trenches of work and it's not always super fun, right? Or you have Correct. an armory client or something to that effect or patient and, and it, it makes it not fun. But if you remember the reason why you're doing this, mm -hmm. and that's why a collective ambition for say a nursing home is so important um, because they're going to, if everybody really can, like, I can believe in that. I can believe in the idea of all of us um, making uh, these really great uh, people uh, um, their their end days being really positive. I can believe in that. I can believe that that's a really good thing, you know, because these people paved the way for where we are now or whatever, whatever the, the, the ambition, right. you know, whatever the mission statement is of that company. So I'm not sure how you get the individual there. You can get them there through the 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 group flow triggers or you can get them there through their personal flow triggers meaning that um yes i'm i'm still really curious about this i'm passionate about helping um uh, uh end of life situations and i'm really passionate about helping older people and this is my purpose in life this is what i decided i was going to do when i was 12 years old you know or whatever else i'm remembering that now and um, now then you go on to the next trigger, right? Which is, do I have a sense of autonomy in this job? I'm good at the job, but I'm not overly hampered by rules. I can make decisions that, uh, like what hair color to use or, um, you know, what the proper thing to do is with this, with Mrs. Jones, can I leave her here right now and she'll be okay? Or should I move her somewhere else right now? So, cause you have orderlies too, I'm sure, you know, they need to be engaged in what they're doing also. So there is all those other things on the, and, and the nice thing about group flow is that group not only has a, um, uh, a mission, but they also have an imperative that they're relying on each other. Like somehow, if you have a goal that everybody is actually pursuing the nurses, everybody else. And it could be something, um, I don't know if you could, uh, it should be something quantitative. I don't well, know if so, you can... But for your hairdressers, so for you and your businesses, or you're speaking to the salon network soon, mm -hmm. a team's, a salon team's collective mutual or shared connection or shared mm -hmm. vision is I generally, a business usually has some kind of vision statement or mission statement that you as a business, this is how we want to serve our customers. This is the experience we want them to have. That's, I assume, the shared experience or shared collective ambition. You're right. It can to. be the mission. It can right. simply be a mission statement. Yeah. But also, I think I'm gathering or from our experience together over time, underneath that, some of those things are our shared ambition around how we service a customer or what does a hair color service experience look like, or here's um, yeah, yeah. some guidelines. And here's- I mean, a, a, collective, a collective ambition or a mission statement is usually like this intrinsic statement, which is- Well, right, uh, there's that, but is also, I guess what I'm asking you is, 
the shared team ambition if you move if you continue to go forward with it because you're you want people to be in a flow state as it might be a separate document i think is what you're saying i think it would be it would be a separate document got it you know um like how we do things here is is actually separate from this other thing and sometimes that changes so you're you're like for instance uh our our mission statement is creating beauty and wellness for humanity now how you create beauty and wellness may change over time sure. right um and as the technology alters or something like that or the styles change so that might be it then there is a group goal which is usually numeric then we align individuals goals to that group goal we say how can you be part of that group goal so if the group goal is let's say let's make a hundred thousand dollars this month and then uh, an individual might say well i i, I can i can make ten thousand of that hundred thousand so i'm i'm really participating and if we all hit that number then we're all going to get some bonus or something like that um you know and then and then how can we all work together to achieve that yes we all have our individual goals but also i'm going to help you because you're going to help the group right so so we're all working on this together and you have players sometimes in a group where that are very familiar with each other that's helpful um but very often they aren't familiar with each other in some small salons everybody's very familiar they've been together for a very long time um but then in um really assertive salons like mine we're always bringing in new people all the time right, right. so it can it can it can um alter the dynamic like what is this person really capable of you know or are they going to mess us up and get us a bunch of one-star reviews or something like that there there's a high skill integration is the next one which is oh you can do a shampoo good now i know as a senior stylist that you can do a shampoo i know i can rely on you in the heat of the moment because we're pursuing this goal we want to hit a hundred thousand dollars so i need you to be ready to go for that shampoo i know you can do that task right and the front desk knows that i can do an extension if somebody walks in and says can i get extensions they know they can come to my girl holly and and get extensions on the spot right from her right so and they know all that so basically you have this high level of skill integration and the problem in a lot of businesses is that your team is is not familiar with each other and especially if you have that junior that junior that beginning um uh, uh hairdresser nobody knows what they're capable of and their skill set is changing very quickly right today all they know how to do is shampoo but tomorrow they they took a class on monday and on tuesday morning now they know how to mix color but nobody knows it they still think she's a nobody right and now on wednesday she can do something else on thursday you can do something else you know so that and and the senior person got wounded and now they can't lift lift a comb so now you have all these skills that are altering day by day right so it takes a lot of open communication 
which is the next one. You need feedback loops. You need people to say, yes, and this is part of the Chicago connection. It all comes from uh, Second City. They mm-hmm. invented yes, and. Right. Yes, and is, 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 is an example of group flow where people are playing off of each other and they're improving with each other. Nobody says no. Everybody says yes. Everybody says yes, yes. And that's a good idea, you know, but, you know, so they shouldn't say yes and but, but they're, they're saying yes. Right. They're ingre- integrating it in, right? And so people can pursue that, right? Somebody said, a client says, I want to get a highlight today. And they say, oh, I can't do it. And then I lean over and say, oh, I could fit you in, right? And it gets us closer to the $100,000, mm-hmm. right? So it's very team-oriented. You know, your, which a lot focus, of so- your approach to flow is to, from how I'm hearing you explain it, is to take teamwork, team cohesion, team growth, the ability to grow, and implementing this state of flow where mm-hmm. you're almost like a school of fish, honestly. It's like a one dance. Moves, yeah, it is a dance. When one fish moves in one direction, they all move. When the I went to moves. our downtown salon the other day just to say hello. Mm-hmm. And I walk in there and I said to the manager, Theo, I said, you guys are hopping. You're in flow. He says, yeah, we're in flow. I'm like, I am getting out of your way. Okay, because one... <laughs> once they're doing it there you you want to get out of the way you you really because right, they're not thinking about it so i mean because it's it's a second nature thing to them and they they each individual has their own i can take it all the way back to dr stephen covey's end in mind habit number two each individual has their own end in mind for the day because we have what's in front of us that needs to be done requires my skill level it's going to create a a good challenge to me maybe some points a not good challenge for each client i see coming in how i step into the experience will change a little bit because of whoever's sitting in front of me i have an overarching next level goal of do any of my clients are they merging in with any of my other team members mm-hmm. And time on top of that is the day going to flow on time because when it doesn't flow on time, then I have to add a whole new, another level of thinking and flowing through the day. And then I have your overarching Gordon Salon shared ambition of, hey, we're trying to reach Mm $100,000. Right. And it's similar in whether I'm teaching pottery, whether I'm delivering a retreat, whether, you know, I'm trying to raise money for access to water. We have these different levels of flow that we're moving through. I think when you're really, when you are open to it and I have here, uh, as we start to bring our conversation, um, start wrapping it up. I wrote down uh, Csikszentmihalyi's, his eight characteristics of flow that he put down. I was Mm -hmm. kind of trying to check them as you were listing some of your uh, triggers, good triggers. Complete concentration on the task. Clarity of goals and reward in mind and immediate feedback. Transformation of time, whether it's speeding up or slowing down. The experience Mm -hmm. is intrinsically rewarding. 
it becomes effortless and uh, effortlessness and ease. Mm -hmm. There is the balance between the challenge at hand and my skills mm -hmm. necessary. Actions and awareness are merged where you are losing kind of this self-conscious rumination. Mm -hmm. And then yet there's a feeling of control over the whole task itself. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those you have spoken to as it relates to bringing in a team feeling of flow but i and it also applies to an individual when they're working on their own specific things at hand whether they're in sales whether they're in relationship building right. whether they're whatever it is i think yeah. this sense of flow happens can happen throughout your day all day in various bits and spurts. But but Marlo, if you want to, if you want to focus it, like if you want to force it even, there's certain actions that I've come across that I think that you can do, which will help anybody go into individual flow. Right. And they are. Okay. One of them is easily meditation. Yeah. Meditation is is an easy one. Getting the present. other one is is uh Pomodoro techniques. So um, Pomodoro is, Ital is, uh, is, a, is uh, Italian for tomato. Mm -hmm. So a Pomodoro technique, um, this is by a guy named Alberto Cirillo. So it's basically setting a timer. He said a tomato timer because it took 25 minutes to cook the tomatoes. <laughs> so, but you could do it for five minutes, 10 minutes. You could just set your timer on your phone. And then during that time, when you set it, what you do is you do nothing except the predetermined task. So for instance, if you say to your, if you have a eureka moment that says, oh, I should write my journal. Oh, which is good for every, uh, uh, definitely good for um, flow and everything else that we do. So, oh, I should write my journal. Okay. I set a timer for 10 minutes. My pen is not going to leave the page for 10 minutes. Right. Okay. And so by the end of 10 minutes, you're probably going to go 12 or 13 or something else because you're into whatever you're writing at that particular point. Right. Single task focus. Single task focus. In other words, I'm promising myself I'm setting this timer and then I'm not doing anything else other than that particular thing. And this is good to do. This will relieve for those of you who create to-do lists, and hopefully you all do, that if you create a to-do list that says... I'm going to file, I'm looking at my file cabinet, I'm going to file all my files today on my to-do list. That's a bad to-do item. Instead, I'm going to spend 30 minutes filing is a better to-do item because you have a lot of other stuff to do. Now, if you have nothing else to do except file, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, right? if you do, okay, so... But what I found is that this is this this task orientation, uh, this timed task is actually better for your mental health mm. than saying, oh, shit, um, I got 45 minutes of the way into filing and I discovered three bills I didn't pay or I discovered I don't really have the label maker that I needed or I, and I really didn't finish it. Now I feel like shit. And well, I didn't allow yourself to be distracted. And it's allowing me to be distracted. And I didn't cross my item, which is another dopamine hit, 
you physically cross the item off of your oh yeah it's a huge list. dopamine hit that's a dopamine hit take it and run um is that you want to be able to say i spent 30 minutes doing this cross okay don't be so like perfectionist that you're like oh i have to finish this and now it's midnight and you're still working on filing you know what right. i mean right you know you really want to say okay i ha- i need time to go get a massage because in this flow thing and this goes back to what you said originally you need uh, you need active recovery it's not about going and just watching tv which we all do a little bit okay but you need to be able to go get a massage go uh, sit in a sauna um, you need sleep. to replenish yourself you need to bring, you have to bring restoration back to your body mind spirit to be able to digest it's like you've just taken in a large meal your stomach needs to digest it properly before you and rest so it can move it through assimilation and into the full digestion system the spleen the liver the bladder your intestines before you bring in the next meal so if all you're going to do is bombard yourself you're going to be sick yeah and you don't want to go to sleep with that much food in your body so that so the idea is is that okay, I did this task for whatever amount of time, then, and you're actually working and eventually where I'm at now that I've been working on flow for about three years now is two, two, I'd say really intensely is that I'm now getting into how do I control my circadian rhythms? And I have a lot of autonomy in my life because of where I am in my life. So, you know, how do I control my day, right? How do... I wake up in the morning. What do I do in the morning? Um, how am I focused in on going into flow, right? Can I do a 90-minute ultrarian rhythm where I'm going into flow? Can I then fit in a workout? Can I eat at a certain time? Am I doing these things which actually harness my energy and not fight them? It, you know, it's really interesting. Let me tell you about this study I just read today. They were talking about Concert level violinists, very rare. When you listen to how they prepared over the course of their life to become this good, because only the best of the best get there, right? right. Talk about the 10,000 hour rule. That what they did was is they would they would do the work for 90 minutes. They would rest for 20 minutes. They would, they would practice for 90 minutes. They would rest for 20 minutes. They'd do it again. They had three rhythm they had three 90 minute sessions which is very rare according to andrew huberman that's very rare if you listen to the huberman podcast if you don't you should because it deals with all this even though he doesn't call it flow that it you want to be an expert at something that's the thing about flow flow is about peak performance that's the person who wins the gold medal that's the executive at 500 productivity that's the violinist who's in first chair Yes. yes, I'm uh, with do, that. I do you also... not wish you found this out in your 20s? No. Because some, <laughs> some people did. Some people did. Some people did. Those people did. I also did. think flow is not just for achieving the highest, bestest. True. Right. That's true. Flow because it is well-being. And from how I've aside from Csikszentmihalyi and how it became integrated in my space or how I heard about, read about it and studied about it was really applying it to how you approach 
life in general in that enjoying what is put in your path by the universe, enjoying what's in front of you, whether it's doing the dishes, whether it's helping a neighbor, whether it's doing your bills, whether it's going to work and doing the job that you do every day and doing it with pride, that you can find flow because you are present, because there is an end in mind, because you will be able to cross it off your list, because you will collectively help the team reach a goal, that you're doing it because you're serving from a space of love versus a space of fear and ego. Mm -hmm. So I think the two, both ways of approaching it are applicable in your life and have a place and will cross in various ways, depending on what your life is and what the universe puts in front of you. Um, But I like, I just think the concept of flow itself, whether you are able to step yourself into it consciously or whether it happens and you feel it and you flow into it, no pun mm-hmm. intended. Um, I think they both can exist. I think they yeah. both do exist. There is high and low flow is what For I'm sure. saying. Absolutely. You know, so there is the person who's washing the dishes and they're really into it and there's no gold medals at the end of it. They just feel good while they're doing it. And then there's the other person who is, you know, riding a 120 foot wave off the course of, off the coast of Portugal and hitting, you know, doing things that's Everything never been perfectly. seen before, never right. been seen before. And are they risking life and limb? Yes. That wave will crush you. You will be, if you're not yeah. dead, you're seriously yeah. mangled, yeah. but that's why they're so into the moment right. and feeling every single aspect of that wave. Right. Even their pinky has their body weight ratio perfectly okay but they're willing to take the risk because they love pursuing that adrenaline rush because that is a high level of flow now not all of us need that not all of us need that we're not all in that place but but some people are the thing is we call it peak performance but if it really is that a bunch of humans are suddenly going to be able to achieve this and maybe it won't be that. Maybe it'll just be average performance in the future. But at the moment, if you can harness flow regularly, you're in peak performance. That's peak performance. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think it was a <laughs> wonderful discussion around flow, Tony. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Marlo. Yeah. And well, talk to talk to me about um about Alliance for the Great Lakes, because we have Earth Month coming up and we're doing a lot for Earth Month this year, but maybe we want to do a beach cleanup for the Alliance. Well, I'll wait till we we finish this. So I'm going to say thank you to everyone who has chosen to be in the space with Tony and I and talk about flow. Thank you for making time for this conversation, Marla's conversation with friends. And I will be back. Uh, sooner than later. I know I've had some space between my podcasts. I'll be back because Earth Month is next month. And I always speak very passionately about the environment. So until then, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Tony, for the conversation. And until next time, be well. 